Tourism, post-disaster rebuilding and infrastructure construction are driving economic growth in the Pacific this year. That's according to the World Bank's latest economic update for the region, which was released on Tuesday in Suva, Fiji. The report projects 3.9% growth for the Pacific this year. However, this is offset by elevated inflation rates, which are expected to sit at around 6% for the remainder of 2023. I spoke with the World Bank's economist for the Pacific, Rishika Singh, about the report's findings. Thank you so much for having me here today. Um, so yes, uh, just a quick snapshot on, on the update. We expect ongoing recovery in the Pacific and border reopening has been driving the recovery in most cases. So compared to our March focus, while there has been some revisions in both directions, the outlook is broadly in line with the March forecasts. And we see that the region's growth will be driven by tourism-based economies with growth more than double than that of non-tourism-based economies. So in tourism-based economies, we see a, we forecast a growth of 6.2% for 2023. And for non-tourism-based, we forecast a growth of 2.5%. And for the Pacific region as a whole, it is expected to grow by 3.9% in 2023, 3.3% in 2024, and slow to the region's long-term trend growth of approximately 2.6%. So that's the story on the growth side. And uh, on the inflation front, the the inflation rate in the Pacific region averaged 6.7% in 2022 compared to 1.5% average from 2019 to 2021. So that has been a huge increase. And now the region continues to battle high inflation and the report provides some specific numbers whereby some countries like Fiji have a relatively smaller inflation, but countries like Samoa and Vanuatu have pretty high inflation ranging from 10 to uh, uh, 10, 8 to 10%, sorry. Um, and we see that, you know, uh, from compared to the March forecast, projections have been mostly revised upwards amid continued supply chain disruptions and spillovers from the Russia's invasion of Ukraine that, that continue to put pressure on food and fuel prices. And as you are aware, Kuroi, the fact is that Pacific countries rely heavily on energy and food imports, and they are price takers. And, and, and on average, you know, full and uh, food imports together account for almost 40% of merchandise imports in the Pacific, which is more than double that of the East Asia Pacific average. So just, just taking you through the projection for 2023, we expect inflation to remain elevated at 6% in 2023 and only subside gradually over time. What we are concerned about is that, you know, this persistently high inflation has increased the risk of vulnerable population falling into poverty. And, and we have conducted some simulations in Tonga and Kiribati as examples. And uh, this is also based on data availability. And we see that, you know, there's potential of between 3,000 to 10,000 more people falling into poverty if adequate mitigation measures are not uh, put in place. Thank you for that very um, really good sum up of all of the findings. Um, my question, uh, first of all, is what, what does adequate measures look like in terms of preventing people from falling into poverty? Oh, thank you. Thank you for that question and very important one, Koroi. So as you know, you know, inflation is felt by everyone, but most of the impact, you know, the poor and vulnerable feel it more. So in terms of uh, one of the recommendations that the report provides is, you know, targeted and adaptive social protection measures. 
So this is this has come out as as key, and we feel that you know while you know during COVID the government Pacific governments have been implementing some measures to you know protect the poor and vulnerable, but in some cases you know even the rich benefit. So to help governments with fiscal consolidation as well, so that it's not a burden on the government as well, the the social protection measures need to be targeted and adaptive. By adaptive, I mean you know it has to be. If, if social protection measures are adaptive, it is responsive to any future shocks or, uh, you know, natural disasters as well. And, and that would help like uh, uh, governments know who are the poor and vulnerable, where they are located, so they can provide timely assistance. And in this area, I must highlight, Koroi, that the World Bank has been supporting a number of uh, Pacific Island countries, including Fiji and Samoa, to help them make their social protection systems more uh, adaptive. And, and this is where we feel, you know, that we can, we can make the most impact in terms of reaching the poor and vulnerable in time. And just on that, the um, correct me if I'm wrong. Pacific governments tend not to be very good at this stuff, right? In terms of formal social protections, they kind of rely on the village systems and the cultural safety net in terms of of civil civil support. Is that right? Is that why this needs to be developed? Thank you, Koroi. So. I must say that, you know, COVID, like everything else, you know, in all other areas have taught us a lesson. So, yes, indeed, previously, there was not so much attention on adaptive social protection, but COVID has driven us to think and rethink about these things. So I think that's where there is now more openness to, you know, to, to develop the system in such a way that, you know, like, like, like COVID experience, right? We don't have to run around and find systems how we can reach out to the poor and vulnerable, but have the system ready and make it adaptive. So, you know, be it a natural disaster or, a, or an external shock or like a health shock, we are able to reach people in time and in, in, and in a manner that does not put pressure on, on government's books as well.